So it's really interesting as, as we stepped into the book of Philippians. Um, this is our new series that we're launching. And, um, and as I started reflecting about the book of Philippians, not the book of Philippines, <laughs> that great nation of the any Filipinos in the house represent? It's the book of Philippians, which is found in our New Testament. We, and this series, we're going to go chapter by chapter. So after today's service, you would have read the whole book of first chapter of, of Philippians. But as I um, was just meditating on, because we spent time with, in, this week in hospital with Joe and also with the Tanaki family, with Jason and Sia, um, with, with uh, Mama, Mama Tanaki, the great Nguyen woman that she was. Um, and as I began to, fo- to focus on this, and I thought to myself, there's Joe, 33 years of age, and then we've got Mama Tanaki, 90 years of age. And as I began to just think about these things and with this message, what did they have in common? What they had in common was their love for Jesus. And they both finished strong. And um, if you're looking for a subtitle for my message this morning, it's finish strong. Finish strong. You know, many of us have regrets in life. And if we think about it, some of the, the greatest regrets that we've had in life is because we gave up on something. You might be sitting in this room and you've given up on a dream. Or maybe God's called you to ministry and you've given up on that because things got tough. Things got hard. Or maybe you're here and you don't normally come to church, but you're just here this morning because someone brought you along. But you were a follower of Jesus, but somewhere down down the line it got tough and you gave up. Finish strong. We don't want to go through life with what ifs. Oh, what if I never gave up? What if I never quit? Some of you had started study. You've had this dream in your heart to, to, to complete some study, but you gave up. I really believe some of you need to go back to your studies. God has called you for something for such a time as this. And we're going to, when I picked up the book of Philippians, this theme of finishing strong, especially chapter 1, started to leap off the pages. So why don't you join with me as we begin to make our way through the book of Philippians chapter 1, as we'll read from verse 1. Apostle Paul begins to write this letter. In fact, he writes, right in the beginning, it it tells us the Apostle Paul is writing this letter with Timothy, one of his co-workers, one of his partners. And this is how it starts. This letter is from Paul and Timothy. Slaves of Christ Jesus, I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and deacons. May God, our Father, and and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Now, the church of Philippi was planted by the Apostle Paul around 50 AD. And where the church of Philippi is situated, and if, we, if you ever go to modern-day Greece, it would have been in kind of the northeastern part of modern-day Greece today. That's where you'll find the, the remains of Philippi. And Philippi was a Roman settlement. They were Roman citizens. Here you got these Latin speakers in a Greek, in a Greek country. But this was a colony. And Paul loved the people of Philippi. He loved them so much. In fact, it goes on in verse 3. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. 
Whenever Paul thought of the people of Philippi, whenever he thought about his church in Philippi, it brought him great joy. And he gave thanks to God. Let me ask you something. Who are the people in your life that you give thanks to God for whenever they come to your mind? Let me tell you something. What's come to my mind at the moment? I give thanks for Joe. I give thanks for Mama Tanaki. I give thanks to God that these people, that I had the privilege of, of having the gift of their life in my life and, and touch my life. You know, this year for us, it, it's, it's been a crazy year for us. Paul's brother passed away in February on his 45th birthday. And then a month later, my first cousin, 36, passes away in his sleep. And it just seems to be crazy that people seem to be getting younger and younger. And I said, Lord, that's enough. 30, Joe, 33. I said, Lord, that's, uh, that's enough. But, but it gives us great joy. We've got to live in a way. How do we approach a situation? My wife, just, as some of you know, she's been bedridden for three weeks in bed. That was tough because I had to do all the cleaning. I had to, I had to cook all the food. and I had to do all these things. I know. And I was praying for a miracle. (laughs) Praise God. And he goes on in in verse 4. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard until now. This letter is about partnership. When you read the book of Philippians, it's about partnership. In fact, it's one of the most important words in, in Paul's vocabulary, is partnership. It's, it's, and partnership is more than just something practical, but it was also financial. And people at Philippi financially supported the Apostle Paul, and he never forgot. In fact, the, the Greek word for, that he used for partnership is the same Greek word that you would use for business partnership. It's all in. When you think about your own walk with God... You, can you say that, that your walk with God is, 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 the same as, is the same as partnership with the gospel? Is it, or is it more like a, more like a fellowship of something more social? Are you, is, is it a partnership of the gospel? Is it just something that's social? Then verse, nine, verse 6. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus returns. I love, I love this. I love verse 6. God who began the good work within you. You know, if you're sitting in this room and you're a person of faith, guess who began that work? It wasn't you. <laughs> it was God. He began that work within you. And he continues the work until it's finally finished. God never stops working inside of you. You might, you might stop. You might give up. We, we might get tired of doing good and, 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 and being weary, but God never stops. Let me ask you something. Can you trust God that he's going to finish the work he began in you? There's some of you in this room, it's time to get back up. You may be on the right path, but if you're just sitting down, you're not going anywhere. It's time to get up and keep moving forward. It's not just how you start how you finish. Verse 7. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you. For you have a special place in my heart. 
you share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment, and, and that's right, imprisonment, he's saying this, so where's Paul writing this letter from? From prison. Both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. When you read the book of Philippians, it's a letter of great joy. It's, in fact, it overflows with joy. This letter is a joyful letter. When you read some of other Paul's letters in the New Testament, I'll tell you what, it's a bit this condemning, this correcting. And some of the letters he writes, he has to defend who he is as an apostle. I, I am an apostle. But for this letter to the church of Philippi, he doesn't have to defend himself. It's a letter of joy. And he writes a letter of joy from where? From prison. You need to understand something. The Roman prison system is not like our prison system today. See, for, for, for us today, we look at imprisonment as some form of punishment. In their days, Romans did not see the imprisonment as punishment. It's a place where the people went to die. It's a place where people were waiting trial to be executed. There was no, like, um, oh, it's, it's lunchtime, I can go out there and do some exercise. This is, this is what a prison would look like in Rome. Basically, um, it was just a hole in the floor and you are dropped in there, dark, damp, and cold. You couldn't even stand up. You, you were all hunched back, and this is where you were. You were treated less than dead in these places. And Paul writes a letter of joy from this place. I don't know where your circumstance is right now. I don't know what's going on in your world. But will you be able to continue to bring a song of joy where you are? Verse 8, God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you'll keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. Do you want to finish strong? Do you want to finish strong no matter the circumstances? Well, Paul begins to outline how to finish strong. And he begins to say this in verse 10. For I want you to understand what really matters. I like it. You, you want to understand what this is? What this is what really matters. What's going on? It's not Netflix. It's not somebody unfriending you on Facebook. It's not whether I need to get my clothes washed and dried. But this is what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Paul emphasizes, he emphasizes that, that your behavior flows out of God's faithfulness. Did you get that? Your behavior flows out of God's faithfulness. How much do you lean on God? Because out of God comes faithfulness. And your behavior comes out of that. Not only that, but the fact that you are forgiven. It's not based upon what you do. Like someone's like, oh, you know, if I, if I go to church every Sunday, read my Bible, do all these things, then, 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 then somehow I'm kind of, I'm in God's good books and then I'll, I'll get to go to heaven. It's not about that. It's about that God loved you, loved you so much that he saw you in your despair. He saw you in your greatest regret and he loved you so much that he stepped into his creation 
and he binded himself with flesh, and in the fullness of Jesus Christ, he died for you on the cross, so that you may be free. Because you've been forgiven. You need to remind yourself that I've been been forgiven. And when you begin to live out of who, who God is and out of God's faithfulness in your life, you no longer need to walk around with guilt and condemnation on your back. Some of us are walking around like, I'm just not good enough. I've tried my hardest, but I'm just not good enough. You know, did you know that, that good works does not equal salvation? We've got it wrong. But it's salvation, what Jesus has done for us, at least a life of good works. You know, you, you find yourself, when you, when you find yourself devoted to, to Jesus, you find yourself forgiving more, not because you have to, but it's because of who you are. You find yourself picking up the Bible and, and reading it, not because you have to, but it's because of who you are. You find yourself wanting to be in fellowship with one another. You, you're like, I, I grew up, I hated going to church. But when Jesus touched my life, all of a sudden I found myself, I want to be in fellowship. I want to be, because it wasn't because I had to, because I'm ticking off all the boxes. It's because it's who I, who I am. When we, when we begin to, 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 to give all we are to God and say, God, you began a good work. And may it be finished in who you are. Salvation does not, good works does not equal salvation, but salvation leads to good works. We turn it upside down too often. Before I knew Jesus, I tried to do things to my own glory. Let me tell you something, I failed every time. But to God be the glory and praise. He who began a good work within you will continue his work until it is finished. Verse 12, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. And when I read it, I'm like, really? Wait, wait, wait. wait let me tell you something. Paul, this, is, this is helping you? You're in a hole. You're in prison. This is helping you? What perspective do you have on your current situation? Paul chose to see an opportunity in every, every obstacle. Let me tell you something. Every failure that has, that has happened in my life, every failure because of what I have done, because of, of, of Jesus in my life, I turn every failure into a stepping stone to success. Because it's all about perspective. Verse 13. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. This is what Josephine is talking about. Let us be people who speak the good news. Let's not just wait till on Sunday. Let's wait till the four calls. Let's Let's begin to speak the good news. We've got good news to share. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others, (laughs) you know those others. Do you have those others in your life? Those others? Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambitions, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. And I love what he says next, but that doesn't matter. 
Can you smell what the rock is cooking? That's my translation. I'm talking about the rock of Jesus Christ. Not Dwayne Johnson, but the rock. Maybe not even the rock of New Way, but the rock of who Jesus is. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice. Come on. And I will continue to rejoice. For I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. See, the two situations that, that the Apostle Paul found himself in, he saw it as an opportunity that most of us will see as a defeat. Paul was faced with two problems, one on top of the other. The first part of that problem was that he's in prison. The second problem is that there are people going around talking about him behind his back. You ever had anyone talk about you behind your back? Making accusations about you that is not true? What do we do? Defriend. <laughs> Unfollow their Serves them right. They're going to feel real bad now. <laughs> you know, Paul was constantly criticized for the gospel by other believers. Because other believers, oh, no, 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 in order of you Gentiles, you non-Jews, you have to become Jewish first. You have to follow all these laws and rituals, do all these festivals, you do what we do, eat kosher. Paul said, no, 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 no. It's not about works does not lead us out. It's about what Jesus did for us on the cross. And he was criticized for that. For the possible, but it doesn't matter. Can you smell what the rock is cooking? I love that. Paul saw another perspective. Either way, I rejoice and I'll continue to rejoice. Verse 20 For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed but that I will continue to be bold for Christ, which is why I have this haircut. You guys should try. <laughs> Says it in God's word. Okay. As I have been in the past, and I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between the two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. And you know what? And this is the tension that we believers live with. We become followers of Jesus, and, and God begins this work, but we've got this desire to be with Him. In fact, this verse is one of the few verses in the entire body, 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 the body of the Bible, <laughs> one of the few verses in the entire body of the Bible, that actually tells us what happens when we die. There's only three of them. Two, Paul says, and one, Jesus says, that today you'll be with me in paradise. But Apostle Paul says right here, that when I'm dying, I'm with Christ. And this is the tension we have. We want to be, my tension, I want to be with Christ, but I also want to be with people here. Why? Because we, we love one another. And we have this tension. And we we're, were there it's on Sunday when we heard about Joe. We're, after church, many of us in this room were there at, were there at his bedside. We're, there was many other churches. We're praying. We're seeking God. God, bring healing, bring healing, bring healing. 
Why? Because we love them. We've got this tension. But guess what? Jesus loved them more. Jesus loved Mama Tanaki more. They finished strong. Isn't that what we want? To finish strong. And the keys are reminding me to finish strong. (laughs) Verse 25, knowing this, I'm convinced that I will remain alive, so I will continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. Even when I come to you again, you'll, you'll have, have even more reasons to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. As long as the Apostle Paul was alive, Paul will, Paul will be consumed with Christ's concerns, his values and his mission. Isn't that what we want? That's what I want. As long as I live, I want to be consumed with Christ's concerns, his values and mission. Verse 27, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. Conducting yourself in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit, one purpose, fighting together for the faith. One spirit, one purpose, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. Don't be intimidated by the world. Don't be intimidated by someone who has a different belief than you. Don't be intimidated. Don't, don't shriek back. Because we stand on the rock of who Jesus is. Can you smell what the rock is cooking? It doesn't matter. Either way, I will rejoice. Should be my tagline. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved, even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also in the privilege of suffering for him. We are in the struggle together. We're better together. You've seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I'm still in the midst of it. Sometimes we find ourselves in a storm, but you know what? Sometimes that's exactly where God wants you. He wants you in that place. In fact, these verses convey the, the reason why Paul wrote the letter to the church of Philippi. To urge them to stand together for the gospel and face of persecution and suffering. To finish strong. What does it mean for me? What does it mean for us? It means not all storms come to disrupt your life. Not all storms come to disrupt your life. Some come to clear your path. Sometimes, you, you know, when Jesus tells the disciples, hey, could you go to the other side? I'll meet you there. Where does he send them? In the middle of a storm. Yeah. We're trusting God. I'm trusting God. And we find ourselves in, the, in a storm. We start complaining to God. How do we get, I followed you, and now I'm in a storm. But sometimes God's got you right where you are. Because yeah. there needs to be something, something needs to be cleared in your life. When you, this, is what I, this is what I've come to understand in life. When you change the way you look at things, guess what? When I, this, when I change the way I look at, at things, this, this is what tends to happen to me. The things that I look at tend to change. They tend to change. You cannot change your past, but you can always, 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 always change your perspective. What you see depends not only on what you look at, but also where you look from. 
because we're looking at it one way, oh, there's doom and gloom. Then God says, come over here. You come over here, and you realize, whoa, whoa, actually, no, there's a way through. Because when you're in it, you can't see a way through. But when you trust in God, when you find yourself in the middle of the storm, Jesus didn't say, come and be a Christian. He said, what did he say? He said, follow me. It is not calling Christians, it's calling followers. And you find yourself in a storm, you can't get through, you can't see a way through, and that's why we give up. Because we've got the wrong perspective. It's not, we need to change our view. And Jesus, come over here, come over here. And we can see the way through. We couldn't see it at the time until after the fact. Will you trust? Will you change your perspective? Because the right perspective makes the impossible possible. This is about reaching your full potential and living in your purpose. See, when you find yourself in a difficult part of your life, when you find yourself in the middle of the storm, you need to ask yourself this, this, this question in your life. This, I ask this all the time, especially this year. I was asking this question quite a lot. This week I was asking this question a lot. And when you ask this question, it helps me refocus and follow Jesus. This is the question I want you to ask. What would you do today if you are confident that God is for you, with you, and in you? You, you don't just ask this question when things are going good. I ask this question when things are going God, I trusted you. I followed you. I'm a pastor. <laughs> then I refocus. What would I do today if I, if I were confident God is, actually, no, God is, is with me. No, actually, no, God is for me. In the middle of my storm, he's, you know, and, he, and he's in me. It gives me joy. In the middle of, you feel like you're in a hole, it brings joy. Overflow with joy. It's not enough just to make a good start. It's not enough just to run well part of the way. We must finish what we start. He who began a good work in you. Come on. Let me end with a story. This gives you hope too. <laughs> that we're going to finish strong. And um, I want to get back to 1960. I, I, anybody remember 1960? I, I certainly don't. I wasn't even born. But in 1968, it was, Olymp it was the Olympic year. This is our Olympic year. I'm only looking forward to sevens. But anyway, sevens rugby. It was Olympic year. And, and, the, and, and the world was gathered in Mexico City for the Olympic Games in 1968. People, thousands, millions of people were watching, tuning in on their TV sets. And uh, the day of the marathon, the stadium was full. And the marathon is it's going through the streets of Mexico, and it ends up in an Olympic stadium. And people cheering, all the, all the nations of every continent were there. They'd be training hard to be there. And, and, they, and, and they're, they're off. They begin to start this journey. They begin to start this race. And then not long after, and then time it goes by, and then all of a sudden, the first runners were, were entering in the stand. There's cheers going up. <sighs> well, anyway. Cheers going up. And then they had the medal ceremony. The person with bronze crying away. Silver, gold, and the anthems played and the flags up. He's proud of his nation. And then and they've done it. Moves to the next event. Everybody's watching the next event. An hour goes by. Then all of a sudden there's a murmur in the crowd. Murmur, murmur, murmur. Sorry, I was, I was thinking. 
It's a murmur in the crowd. I go, hey, who let that murmur in here? Okay. They're shocked. And the reason they're shocked is that there was still one more runner left in the race. And he enters the stadium and every, every step is with this pain. You can see it in his face. He was dehydrated. You get understand, he had fallen earlier on in the race. Right in the beginning, he was a bad fall and he was bleeding from his knees. But he was still going. Every step was an agony, agony. And when he crossed the finish line, he collapsed. TV reporter came up to him and goes, you, you had been hurt early on in the race. You knew you weren't going to win. You were badly injured. Why did you keep running? You weren't going to come anywhere near that. Why did you keep running? Why didn't you give up? Why didn't you quit? This young man from Tanzania said this. My country didn't see me thousands of miles here just to start a race. They sent me here to finish a race. Let me tell you something. In life, we're going to have bad falls. And you'll want to give up. I've been there. I want to give up. And you're just in tears. But it's the joy of the Lord is your strength. Come on. Change your perspective. Change your vantage point. What seems impossible becomes possible. Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because can you smell what the rock is cooking? Come on. The rock of Jesus Christ. When they said it was over, it ain't over. What seems impossible is possible in God. Anyone hearing me this morning? That's what the Apostle Paul is talking about in Philippians chapter 1. It's not enough just to make a good beginning. It's not enough just to run well part of the way. We must finish what we start. We must see it through. What would you do today if you were confident that God is for you, with you, and in you? You know, if you forget everything I say this morning, I just want you to remember one thing. Finish strong. Finish strong. Finish strong. You're gonna, you're gonna be, you're gonna be hurt. People you love are gonna betray you. People you trusted the most, even in the church. But finish strong. Come on, let us pray.